0: Man, that was that was a beautiful song. That's, I've never heard that one before. That's, there's been a lot of songs made from Psalm 121. Um, that's a good one. I like it. Alright, let's let's open our Bibles and let's let's read this Psalm. Psalm 121. A song of Ascents. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in, from this time forth and forevermore. That sends our reading of God's unbreakable word. May all who hear it understand who it is who keeps you. When I was a youth, I used to collect baseball cards. Um, I would save up my allowance, and then whenever my mom went to the store, whenever she made a trip to Myers or perhaps to the pharmacy, I would go with her and then use that money. I would spend it, all of it, and buy as many packs of cards as I could. And I remember how excited I would be sitting in the back seat of the car, opening up those packs, hoping to find the the faces of the best young players that Major League Baseball had to offer, which in the late 80s meant players like Jose Canseco and Mark McGuire. It meant young stars like Ken Griffey Jr. and Barry Bonds. And if you got one of those players, if, if you got one of their rookie cards, especially, then you would do everything in your power to keep that card safe. You would place it in this cheap little plastic sleeve, or if you had, had enough money, you would buy the hard plastic case. Um, you wanted to make sure that that card would not bend and that the corners and that the edges wouldn't fray. You'd protect it from the elements and and from all the the grubby little hands of your buddies who wanted to hold it and look at it. Today, I still have many of those same cards. They have not moved from their cases. They're stored away in in a drawer somewhere in my house, rarely ever handled. I, I doubt I'll ever sell them, even the ones that are worth some money and that's because they they hold a significance that that's of greater value than money they're they're a reminder to me of my joy in childhood but eventually i'll i'll have to give them either to my children or to my grandchildren once i'm too old to care for them but until that time i am their guardian i am their keeper They are well protected, and they are kept safe. This is our second week in our journey through these Psalms of Ascent. Fifteen psalms that were originally sung by the pilgrim travelers while they were journeying up to Jerusalem for the annual feast. And the word up is a key word here, is it not? Not? For the city of David was built upon the heights, and no matter from which direction you you approach that city, you would be traveling upwards. You'd be on an incline. And that's why we call these psalms the Psalms of Ascent. And last Sunday we looked at Psalm 120, which was the, the, the prayer of a man in great distress, and And the reason this man was in such distress was because the world in which he lived was a world full of lying lips and deceitful tongues. And these lies, well, they only led to violence and death. This man's neighbors, they were fierce men, men who clamored for war. And because that was the case, our psalmist had no peace. And this was why he cried out to the Lord. He, he was seeking divine justice and an end to, the, to, to all the misery that has been wrought. For he just wanted to live in peace. And yet he knew that the only way he was going to receive that peace was if God himself intervened. Well, our psalm today isn't much different. It, too, is a song of distress. It is a request for help a request that is answered by the only one who can truly bring about such help. And this particular psalm, it's it's actually really fitting for our psalms of ascent, for for these songs that were sung on a track upward towards Jerusalem. And that's because this psalm is a prayer to God for traveling mercies. It's a prayer to God to keep one safe on the road. And what better song to sing than when you're spending days journeying through the wilderness. But, the, but there's more to this song than just a plea for God's protection when you're on the road. For the truths that, that, are, that are actually revealed to us here, they actually demonstrate to us that the Lord our God offers his protection whether we are journeying or whether we are staying at home. In fact, it is on the journey of life that the Lord keeps his people safe. You see how Yahweh protects this traveler that is on this path is how Yahweh protects all of his people no matter where they are. And this will be clearly seen before we reach the end of this psalm. But before we go through this, I, I, I want to briefly, or maybe not briefly, I want to give you an outline of this psalm in order that you might see how this song is, is structured, how, how it is built. And hopefully once you see, see the framework, it, it'll, it'll bring to you the clarity that you need, um, that you might understand the main point, the main thrust that our author is trying to communicate here. And so when we look at this psalm, we can really separate it into four sections with each section consisting of two verses. Um, And so verses one and two partner together. Verses three and four partner together. Five and six and then seven and eight as well and so on. Um, And so we have four sections in our psalm, each consisting of two verses. Now, now another thing that we need to notice is, is how our author changes or rather shifts the point of view in this psalm. You see, in our first two verses, he's speaking in the first person. This is seen plainly through the use of the pronouns I and my. And yet in verses 3, there's suddenly there's, there's this switch to second person pronouns. No longer is it I and my, but Rather, it is you and your. And these second-person pronouns will continue throughout the rest of the psalm. But, but what does that switch mean? Well, it means that in verses 1 and 2, it's coming from the perspective of the one who is singing this song from our traveler. And then in verses 3 through 8, that, that comes from the perspective of either Yahweh himself or from one of Yahweh's messengers. In fact, it is theorized by some that when this song was originally sung, a soloist would sing the first two verses, and then the rest of the song would be sung by a chorus of people in order to reflect the two different voices that come here, come to us. So, so what does our outline look like? How how does it flow? Well, in verses 1 and 2, we see the cry of distress from our psalmist, as well as, uh, as our psalmist's own answer that comes to his mind. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord. Then in verses 3 through 8, we three we, we see three different character traits of our Lord of Yahweh himself, demonstrating his supreme ability to carry out what is being asked of him, which is to keep our travelers safe. And so in verses 3 and 4, we see that God is always active. God is always active. Then in verses 5 and 6, we see that God is always powerful. He is always powerful. And finally, in verses 7 and 8, we see that God is always present. He's always there. And yet, through all of this, there is a, a central theme that each of these categories falls underneath. And that theme is given to us through the use of repetition in this verse. And there's a certain word if you notice as we were reading through it, that is used six times in these verses, and that word is the word keep. Verse 3 says, He who keeps you will not slumber. In verse 4 it says, Behold, he who keeps Israel. In verse 7, The Lord will keep you from all evil. And then again in verse 7, He will keep your life. In verse 8, we see the Lord will keep your going out and your coming in. And yet the central theme that uh, of all of this can can be pretty much summed up with what we read in verse 5, which is the central verse of this psalm, which is the, the middle point, kind of the, the arc of our psalm, if you will. And that central theme is this, the Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your keeper. Let's think about that for a minute. What does it mean that the Lord is your keeper? Well, the Hebrew word that is used here is pronounced shomerica, and it, it is a participle of the verb shomar, which means to keep. It speaks of keeping watch over something or, or to preserve something. I mean, think about, about the how I keep my baseball cards safe, right? I preserve them from bending, from fraying. But now, what's interesting about this, this Hebrew word is that it's actually the same word that's used in Genesis chapter 2 when describing Adam. Look, look at Genesis 2, verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And so Adam was the keeper of the garden. He he was its guardian. He was its protector. He cared for it. He tended over it. Another way to think of this word, or think of like a shepherd keeping watch over his sheep. Or think about a watchman upon a city wall keeping guard, protecting the city. I mean, these are the various uses of this word that we find throughout Scripture. And so this word, it is about protection. It is about preservation. And so when our psalmist says that the Lord is your keeper, he is stating that Yahweh himself is the one who keeps watch over this traveler. But like I said before, this psalm is not just for the footbound travelers making their way to Jerusalem. Rather, this is a psalm for all travelers in this fallen world of ours, those who are journeying through life, trying to make their way from all of our earthly kingdoms that we have built and trying to find a home in that heavenly kingdom that Christ is currently building and that he will one day bring to consummation. And so this psalm has less to do with all of our physical toils and dangers that we face in this life, and yet it has more to do with our spiritual well-being and God's ability to keep us on our spiritual journey. So let's see how this plays out, beginning with our first grouping of verses and our psalmist's cry for help. Look at verses 1 and 2 once more. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Now, as I've been mentioning time and again, this psalm is a prayer for traveling mercies. And here in verse 1, our psalmist, he is setting out to make his journey. And as he begins, he he lifts up his eyes to see what what lies ahead of him. And, And lo and behold, the vision that is before him is daunting. His gaze reaches up to the hills that now surround him. And these hills, this sight that meets his eyes, it's not a comforting sight to him for the slopes seem threatening and the rocks seem ominous their looming heights warn of an impending doom but that's the way it was for most travelers back then and that's because those who journeyed through the hills well they had to keep a careful step about them as well as a watchful eye but why were the hills so dangerous Well, because the hills were where all the threats lay hidden. Their clefts and their caves provided cover for both thieves and marauders, men who would use violence in order to to steal and to plunder. And then there were the wild beasts who would stalk their prey by using high vantage points to pounce. And then vipers and poisonous adders lay hidden underneath the rocks and the rubble, ready to spring, ready to strike. And yet sometimes the greatest enemy was the hill itself. If your foot slipped or if the ground below your feet gave out unexpectedly, a traveler could suddenly find himself taking a tumble, resulting in serious injury or even death. And so no, this sight of the hills does not give comfort to our traveler. Rather, it has given to him this sense of dread as he knows that the danger that surrounds him is quite deadly. And that's why he asks the question that he does: From where does my help come? But there's more to worry about in these hills than just these physical dangers. For in ancient Israel, the hills were also the place where idolatry ran rampant. It was in the high places where wicked kings and and evil prophets constructed their idols where all kinds of pagan rituals were practiced. Demons were worshipped, and all sorts of debauchery and licentiousness would take place. Men and women would go to these high places, not only to worship their false gods, but to participate in orgies and to offer up the children that came from these orgies orgies as sacrifices. And so these hills not only brought about dangerous conditions for the traveler, but they also were places of enticement and temptation. And this is just one more reason for our psalmist to cry out, from where does my help come? He knows that the urge to stray from his God, to to step off the path is often too great, and that he needs a strength that is not his own. To make it through unscathed. The Christian life is often like a journey through these hills, is it not? It's not an easy path to tread. It's filled with dangers, toils, and snares. It's filled with temptations of idolatry and self gratification. And all these things are meant for your destruction. They're meant for your death. They're meant for you to take your eyes off of Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. What are some of these pitfalls in life that come our way? Well, for some of us, it's the love of wealth and the craving of material things. For others, it's the desire for sexual pleasures and the the attraction of forbidden lusts. For many more, there's the enticement of dominance and the hunger for power. And then there's the bitterness that comes with betrayal. There's the heartache that comes from loss. There are those scars of long-fought battles. There are the tears that come from hurts that are too deep to speak of. And that's why, like our author, we too must cry out from where does my help come? And yet as soon as this question comes into our psalmist's mind, he finds comfort in this answer. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Let me ask you, where do you look when all seems lost? To whom do you look when, when the dangers and when the temptations seem all too great? Our psalmist looks to Yahweh, to the covenant God of Israel, to the very creator of heaven and earth. For this God, he has committed himself to the protection of his people. Look at Isaiah chapter 43, verses 1 and 2. But now, thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, He who formed you, O Israel, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned. And the flame shall not consume you. You see, because Yahweh is the creator of both heaven and earth, because he is the creator of all, he is capable of being able to protect his servants, even from these dangers that are in the heights. And because he is the creator of you, his desire is to keep you safe. And this should be the cry of all God's people, should it not, when they lift up their eyes to the hills? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. The Lord is my keeper. But how does the Lord's help come to us? How, how do we know that the Lord even has the ability to keep you? Well, the first reason our psalmist knows that he is able to do this is because the Lord, his keeper, is always active. Look at verses 3 and 4. He will not let your foot be moved he who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. And so getting back to this theme of journeying through the hills, one of the one of the greatest dangers that I said earlier that a traveler could face was the slip of the foot, right? One misstep or one loose rock might cause our psalmist to, to tumble off the edge. And yet the Lord your keeper he will not let your foot be moved. Think about a father who who stays very, very close to his children as they are just learning to walk. He allows them to, 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 to grab hold of his fingers, making it so that they can not only balance, but that they can take steps as well. And should his children slip or become unstable... Well this father has the strength to to write his ch- child's course allowing them to continue to move forward Dear friends we are like those little children those little toddlers We don't truly know how to walk and yet the Lord, our keeper, puts forth his sturdy hand and we are, to, we are able to grab hold onto his fingers as we press forward, as we move our legs. Look at, look at Psalm 55, verse 22. Cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. Or how about Psalm 66, verses 8 and 9. Bless our God, O peoples. Let the sound of his praise be heard, who has kept our soul among the living and has not let our feet slip. You see, what these verses demonstrate to us is that the Lord our keeper is consistently by the side of his people. This is what God does for us. He, he keeps us safe, he keeps us upright. And the reason he can do this is because he does not slumber. He is always active. You see, what what, what you need to understand about, about the, the pagan deities of old is that the people would often believe that their gods would sleep, that they would slumber, That was how they would explain away their God's absence in times of woe. If there was a drought and their crops were dying, well, it was because the rain God was taking a nap and needed to be awakened. If plague and disease had struck their city, well, it was because the God of healing became too drowsy and could not keep her eyes open. Think think about the prophet Elijah and the challenge that he put forth to the prophets of Baal. Each of them were to build their own altar and they were to offer up a bull to be sacrificed. But the stipulation that that Elijah made was that they couldn't spark their own flame. Instead, whoever's God was, was the true God of Israel, well, that God would bring his own fire. Elijah allowed the prophets of Baal to go first, and and here's what happened. Look at 1 Kings 18, verses 26 through 29. And they took the bowl that was given them, and they prepared it, and called upon the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, O Baal, answer us. But there was no voice, and no one answered. They limped around the altar that they made, and at noon, Elijah mocked them, saying, Cry aloud, for he is a God. Either he is musing, or he is relieving himself, or he is on a journey, or perhaps he is asleep and must be awakened. And they cried aloud and and cut themselves after their custom with swords and lances until the blood gushed out upon them. And as midday passed, they raved on until the time of the offering of the oblation But there was no voice. No one answered. No one paid attention. This mocking from the prophet Elijah demonstrated the weakness of their God. He could not be found. He could not be heard. There was no voice. And because the people actually believed that their God could be asleep, they cried out all the louder. They even cut themselves in the hopes of waking their God up. And yet Yahweh, the Lord, your keeper, well, he never slumbers. He is always awake. He is always aware. He is always at the ready. You will never find him asleep at the wheel. And look how Yahweh answered when it was Elijah's turn. Look at Look at verses 36 through 39. And at the time of the offering of the oblation, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, and that I am your servant, and that I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God. And that you have turned their hearts back. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Dear friends. Yahweh is always active. He does not slumber. But not only is he always active, but he is also always powerful. Look once again at our psalm. Look at verses five and six. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. So, so what does it mean that the Lord is your shade? This speaks of God being your shelter. He, he is your hiding place in times of trouble. Just as an overhanging limb might give one relief from the heat of the day, so the Lord your keeper gives you refuge underneath his wings. You see, this notion of God being our shade is is actually a common expression that, that, that we find in Scripture to speak of God's protection. Consider Psalm 91 verses 1 and 2. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Or look at Psalm 36, verse 7. How precious is your steadfast love, O God! The children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. And so you can see that, that God's shadow is the safest place that a person can be. It's a protection like no other. And so what our psalmist is communicating here is that the Lord your keeper, he is your strong fortress. And that no matter what may come your way, you can always find refuge in him. And yet there's even more to what our psalmist is saying here. For again, we see that, that our Lord, this one who does not slumber and is able to be our shelter, well, he can do it whether it is day or whether it is night. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. Again, when we compare this to certain pagan deities, many of them, well, they would only be active during certain parts of the day. Some would be active at night, while, while others would be active when the sun was out. You had moon gods, and you had sun gods, and their powers would, would wax and wane depending on astrological cycles and whether the sun or the moon had risen or had set. And yet the Lord, your keeper, this one who does not slumber, neither does he lose his strength simply because it is day or it is, or it is night. For he is the creator of both the moon and the sun. He is the one who has given them their strength and not the other way around. And so it doesn't matter if it is day, it doesn't matter if it is night, it doesn't matter if it is Sunday or a holiday or hump day at work. The Lord, your keeper, is always at full strength. And no matter when you need him, whether the sun is out or whether the moon is out, he will be your shade at your right hand. But not only is the Lord your keeper always active, not only is he always powerful, but he is also always present. Look at our final two verses. Look at verses 7 and 8. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Here our our psalmist can have confidence that the Lord, his keeper, will protect him from all evil. That no matter where he finds himself, God will keep his life. This is what is meant by the Lord will keep your going out and your coming in. This common expression, going out and coming in, was the Hebrew way of saying, no matter where you are. And so our psalmist is now promised that no matter where he found himself, the Lord his keeper would be with him. This Saying hearkens us back to the blessing that was offered to the Israelites in the book of Deuteronomy. Look at, look at Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 6. Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. And again, this, this speaks to the difference between Yahweh and the, and the pagan deities of the heathens. For their gods were territorial. They they, they were said to have authority only over certain regions of the earth. And so these so-called gods, they would never leave their lands. They, They would never venture out. If you wanted their protection, well, then you would have to remain in their territory. Not so with the Lord your Keeper. He is not limited by boundaries. In fact, he is the one who created the boundaries. This this one who made the heavens and the earth. And thus his authority has no limits. Consider the words of our Lord when, when he rebuked his righteous servant Job. Look at Job 38 verses 2 through 11. Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Dressed for action like a man, I will question you, and you make it known to me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determines its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? On what were were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? Or who shut in the sea with doors when it burst out from the womb? When I made clouds its garment and thick darkness his swaddling band, and prescribed limits for it and set bars and doors, and said, Thus far you shall come and no farther, and here shall your proud ways be stayed. Dear friends, there, there, there is no territory where God is not. There is no limit to his presence. He is the one who sets the limits. And that means that there is no aspect in your life where God is not there. If you are at work, God is there. If you are at school, God is there. If you are driving in your car, guess what? God is there. And if you're at home, well, God is there. And he never loses his authority no matter where he is. And this is why Yahweh, the Lord your keeper, has the ability to not let your foot be moved. This is why Yahweh, the Lord your keeper, is your shade at your right hand. This is why Yahweh, the Lord your keeper, can keep you from all evil and can keep your life. Because he is always there, he is always present. A question that often plagued me as a young believer was a question concerning my, my own security in Christ. And, and that's because the, the, the Christian life is like that journey through the hills. There, there, there are many ups and downs, there are, there are many trials and temptations. And there were periods in my life when, when where these trials seemed to be too much, and I wondered where God was through all my struggles. And then there were other times in my life when I would be the one who would give in to all the temptations around me. And in my guilt and in my shame, I I wondered how, how Jesus could ever smile upon me again. And so I would question my own salvation and whether Jesus was even present in my life. And yet, what I've come to realize is now that I'm older and now that I've traveled that path for many, many years, well, it's that Christ, He's He's never left me. And he never will. He was always there, right by my side through all of it. And he always will be. And that's because he does not slumber. He is always active. He is there in the day and he is there in the night. He is always powerful. He is at my going out and he is at my coming in. He is always present. He always was and he always will be. And that's because Jesus is my perfect keeper. He doesn't let me bend or let my edges fray. And if you are in Christ, then he is your perfect keeper as well. Listen listen to Jesus' words in John chapter 6. Look at verses 37 through 40. that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on that last day. Brothers, sisters, this is what you need to understand. Your salvation does not depend upon you. Rather, it depends upon the will of God. Of your Father in heaven. And if the Father chooses you, then you will never be cast out. Christ, the Lord your keeper, won't allow it. Your standing before God is secure in Him and in Him alone. And so the next time you lift up your eyes to the hills, The next time you ask the question, from where does my help come? Let your immediate answer be, my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Let's pray. Father, you are our firm foundation. You are our solid ground. You are the rock upon which we stand, and for that we truly are grateful. Though in our lives we travel over many hills, we remain confident that you will keep us because you are always active, because you are always powerful, because you are always present. You will not allow our foot to be moved. And so we ask as we that when we leave here today, that we will leave with thankful hearts and with a confidence that comes knowing that we are secure in your hands, that you are our keeper. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.